think if if U of M students did it, they could set a trend for other universities. So, well, thank you. Pleasure, Ernie. Thanks for coming in. And I do have uh, somebody in the next several weeks is going to be coming and talking about his experience with high school ROTC, and I'd like to invite you back at that oh, I'd time love to. if you have time. Um, as we go out, we've got just a few minutes. We've got Mike Preeny coming up. Actually, actually we, have no we have no minutes. We have Mike Preeny coming up next with Pandora's Lunchbox. And I want to actually thank the folks standing outside of Planned Parenthood with the huge pictures of aborted fetuses. Right. And because it's given me, it's given me the, the brilliant idea to take pictures of aborted, of blown apart children and what war really looks like and stand outside of the uh, military recruiter's right. office. Pro, pro-war right to lifers. Pro-war right to lifers. And I, <laughs> because I think it's a really great idea. Thanks for joining us. Please come back next week when Renegade Solutions returns for more of the same, unfortunately. Talk to you next week. I'm simply wild about my good cocaine. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm troubled to say. Black birds are blue birds now. WCBN FM Ann Arbor, the home of free form, the indiscriminating, discriminating listener's choice in the belly of the beast. And now, some more Ben Webster. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. It's just a little after 6.30. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food. It is pretty much every week a show about food, except for this week when it's a show about something that has food in it. This is a show actually today about the Lions Country Store. It is a simulated old-style country store that is situated in the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. And actually, I conducted this interview a, a year ago. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I have my time machine, which I bought at the art fair, so we're going to go back in time and we're going to hear that. Uh, the reason I got interested in this just recently was because I walked into Whole Foods and they have a they have a, a day dedicated to the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum on September 7th. And when you buy stuff at Whole Foods on September 7th, a portion of the day's sales will be donated to the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. And I said, okay, this might be a time to revisit that. But we're going to go there in just a moment. Back in time, that is. But first of all, here's an item from the Associated Press. Actually, this is from the Associated Press via USA Today. I, oh, no, it's, it's the Associated Press. My, my brain is... Asso- 
the associations in my brain have been pressed together really tightly, so it's kind of hard to speak right now, but, well, we know how that is. A study has found that fast food restaurants crowd Chicago schools. Most public and private schools in Chicago are only a 5- to 10-minute walk from at least one fast food restaurant, says a study in September's American Journal of Public Health. The city is representative of other large metropolitan areas that face the same problem, according to the researcher who conducted the study. Children and teens are surrounded by unhealthy options, says lead author Brian, sorry, Bryn Austin, an assistant professor of pediatrics at Children's Hospital in Boston. Students can pick up fast foods, including hamburgers, french fries, fried chicken and donuts, on the way to and from school, Austin says. Some high school students can go off campus at lunchtime to eat it, she notes. Five days a week, we send children to an environment where there's an abundance of high-calorie, low-nutritional, quality, inexpensive food. The news comes amid growing concerns that American school children are gaining weight. About 31% of kids ages 6 to 19 are overweight or at risk of becoming so, according to the latest government statistics. Many school systems, including Chicago, are offering healthier snacks and beverages in vending machines, school stores, and a la carte lines. Other studies show that on days when kids eat fast food, they have more calories, more fat, more sugar, and fewer fruits and vegetables than on other days. On a typical day, one-third of U.S. children and teens consume fast food, according to researchers. Austin and colleagues at Children's Hospital and Harvard School of Public Health used several mapping strategies to identify the locations of 613 fast food restaurants in Chicago and compare them with the locations of about 1,200 public and private kindergartens, elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. Among the findings, 78% of the schools have at least one fast food place within less than a half a mile or about a 10-minute walk. Half of the area's schools have a fast food restaurant a third of a mile or closer, about a five-minute walk. In some cases, the restaurant is right next door to or across the street. There are three or four times as many fast food restaurants within less than a mile of schools than would be expected if the restaurants were evenly distributed around the city. So a study is finding that fast food restaurants crowding Chicago schools and finding that that is a problem that is in many other cities too, which reminds me of this. Plant the 
stay kid. Why keep you constantly scared? Depressed and the nervous and stress. Key elements keep the people suppressed. They trap cash to wheel you in. You consume, but they win. Increase the sales, make that wheel spin. Spin, you come up short, they abort. Question, do you need life support? Feed and ask, create needs they don't really have. You get hungry looking at a billboard ad. Yeah, large. This is Pandora's lunchbox, and that was Sam Saya, and that is fast food. Mmm. But without further ado, why don't you follow me forward here so we can go backwards in time to the Lions Hands-On Museum interview I did a year ago. Very timely. And we're here in the Lions Country Store. That's right. This is a new exhibit that we just opened in July. So some people have never seen it before. And for some, this is becoming one of their favorite spots in the museum. Okay, for somebody who's listening on the radio, how would you paint a picture of this place? This is like perhaps the corner curiosity place in the museum. It's a little bit different from the bright colors, the primary colors, and interactive buttons of many parts of the museum. This is like walking back, say, a hundred years to. Yeah, 1920s. It's an old country store where you walk in and everything is different. The wood floor, tin ceiling,、um, paneled walls, and you just look around and you can see many of the original objects that would have been in an old country store. Can you、uh, mention some of the objects? Well, we're standing in front of、uh, what's called a bean counter. We had to explain that to a number of people, but on the front are bins that had beans and. Uh, dried peas and things that would have been sorted by weight. You'd walk in and order a pound of something rather than prepackaged. On the shelves behind the bean counter, you have some of examples of the old prepackaged things:、um, household goods, clothing, toys. Tried to get some things that would really represent the whole household experience. So, what do you? What would you like、uh, young people to experience when they walk in here? It's going to depend on how long someone wants to engage in here, because kids can come in here, put on an apron, grab a broom, sweep the floor. We encourage that.、Uh, sit down, play checkers, build a house of Lincoln logs, 
Real Lincoln Logs, I see. Real Lincoln Logs. Um, we have a cash register that's an old 1920s cash register with fake cash, not the real thing. Uh, you can add up, uh, get a budget, do some shopping, uh, weigh your, your purchases on our little scale, uh, pay for it, and just basically pretend that you put yourself back in time. We have a video on the wall that uh, is recorded by the person who donated this collection. And in his words, he talks about some of the collections. You can select which buttons you want to learn about, which objects. And now let's press this button and say hello. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and that's the voice of Carol Knaus of the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. And we have some guests in the studio. And we have some wacky microphones that are acting very strangely, and, and they're trying to uh, rebel against us. Uh, but uh, would you like to say hello? Hello. Hello. That's I it. mean, the actual answer to your question is yes. Yes. And yeah, yes, hello. 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 And you are? I'm Jason Stevens. And you are? Leslie Raymond. And our affiliations are, um, Leslie and I are together, Potter Belmar Labs, which is a, a performance and art group, which we can talk about later. But uh, the actual segue here is that I am part of the exhibit staff at the Hands-On Museum and had a, quite a hand in the uh, fabrication of the Lion's Store there at the museum, which has all kinds of old boxes that used to have food in them, yeah, including Hershey's Kisses. Ah, which look like they still have the Hershey Kiss chocolates inside, but I haven't actually tasted one to see if they're real or not. The best, the best little food story I think about the country store, if I may, yes, Mike, yes, is and this is for all you um, old timers out there, is that we we made a fake front window to the store. The the this store, quote unquote, is actually on the second floor of the museum in a windowless room, but we made a fake front window. That's next to our fake front door, uh-huh. and it, it's a backlit pane of glass, and we put a giant photo of old-time Ann Arbor in there, and it's a photo of Drake's Sandwich Shop, circa 1930, maybe 1929, around there. Mm-hmm. And all you old-timers who might remember Drake's Sandwich Shop, it's uh, one of the... Uh, landmark places in Ann Arbor, and of course, this would put our little store in the Diag, which is impossible, (laughs) since there's never been a building in the Diag, as far as we can tell, unless the Native Americans had something there. Yes. But they surely did not have a country store selling crackers and Hershey's Kisses. In the Diag. In the Diag. Or or cures, or oils, or castor oils, or whatever else they'd have. (laughs) Exactly. Snake oil. Snake oil. That's right. That's a that's a poignant thought for this for this particular year, but uh, we can talk about that also on another show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, yes, the country store exhibit in the Hands On Museum was a lot of fun to walk into. Yeah, good. And, I think a lot of people find it fun. It's a it's um one of those exhibits of ours that uh, really crosses the age gap really well. Little kids love it uh, every time I go by the exhibit there's little kids wearing aprons sweeping the floor playing store and of course the elder set loves it too because they they see all the old artifacts and they remember the soap that they used to use or the soda crackers that they used to eat and uh, there are even some products that are still around i think ivory soap is there mm-hmm. and it's slightly different packaging and right so it's a it's a feast for the eyes and a lot of fun for the kids there's a great big wall of 
some old-fashioned and some, well, not new-fashioned, but I guess old-fashioned versions of new, or old-fashioned versions of current stuff you can buy in the store. And unfortunately, you can't touch them, right. but you can, you can ogle. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the few things on the Hands-On Museum exhibit uh, floor that you can't actually touch. And that's just the stuff behind the glass, but there are, as you mentioned, kids can sque- sweep the floor. You can work. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe it, they do it. They do it. <laughs> and you can work the cash register. Actually, let's see if I, what, what, what sound I can make here. Let's see what this is here. And then you pick up the receiver and... One moment, I'll connect you. Thank you for your interest in early telephone. have a dial or touch tone buttons. If you wanted to make a call, you first had to ring the central office and tell the operator the name or number of the person with And that's something that you can touch in the Lions Country Store in right. the Hands-On Museum. The old telephone exhibit. The old telephone. And this has got a wood floor. So you built, you, you spent a lot of time building that. What, what, what did that, what went into that? Oh, uh, you know, it actually used to be, you know, the Hands-On Museum is in the old firehouse that was built in the 1880s, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the room that the Lions Store is currently in was actually the firemen's bathroom. Ah. And and it has since gone through several uh, iterations, and it was last a classroom space for the Hands-On Museum, and we ended up stripping the walls and floor out and, uh, and going down to terrazzo floor... That was the the fireman's bathroom floor, and uh, and uh, and then building it all back up again. Floor, wall, ceiling. Put tin ceiling in. Wow. Nice new fixtures and uh, uh, cabinets and shelves. Now, was there uh, were there stairs in that room at one point? I believe I'm not sure. I don't think. Oh, there were. There was a kind of a, a tiered stair. It was like auditorium. Uh, bleachers only their stairs i'm sure there's a word for it uh-huh. but it's uh it was you know the it was a classroom so kids could sit up on those risers oh, i think okay. that's the word risers okay. dais so, risers riser dais yeah so a corner of the hands-on museum in ann arbor has been transformed into the lion's country store you can step back in time and enjoy that and we're going to take just a moment here to listen to the sound of some of the food you could taste if you were listening to it in the country store, if you know what I mean. This is uh, some salt peanuts. Peanuts, peanuts. 
You better remember what I told you when these men come. Better start running. Better off this just kiss you. That's all she wrote. All you kiss. Okay, quick, guess who that is? You give up? Yes, it's the Pointer Sisters. My God, it's the Pointer Sisters. Back in the 70s, before they went for the synth, etc. stuff, when they were doing a little bit of Dizzy Gillespie, which uh, that was the original version of Salt Peanuts, a little bit of Gillespie, a little bit of New Orleans R&B and such, before they went synth poppy crazy. And, you know, this is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food, and today's show is about the Lions Country Store at the Hands-On Museum in Ann Arbor. And I'm here with Jason and Leslie. Hello again. Hello. Hello again. Hello, hello. And uh, I have just a little snippet here about uh, a, a real country store from way back when, just to give folks an idea. This is said to be the oldest uh, country store in America run by the, orig- by the same family uh, since 1850, and this is in Kentucky. And looking at the story of this, it's just the kind of thing you might see somebody writing in a short story or something, but uh, it really, apparently all this is true. <laughs> uh, the age of the store is not actually known. It could be traced back to 1845 when William Spragans, at age 21, ran the store. However, others are known to have run it before him. Now, uh, Dick Penn was born the second child of nine children. He married Isabel May, and they had one son, David Martin Penn. Dick and Isabel lived in a little house next to the store, and he became the first Penn to own the store. He was truly a man of many talents. Among his professions were a surveyor, dentist, druggist, and postmaster. He was the community's first postmaster, and Penn Store was the site of the first post office in the area known as Rawlings, Kentucky. In 1910, the post office moved to Gravel Switch, Gravel Switch, to be close hmm. to the train which would stop in the town to get gravel from the creek. Ah, that's the name. That's the name, Gravel Switch. I wish Ypsilanti were called Gravel Switch. That's a great name. <laughs> I like that. And uh, Dick Penn was given a grant by the governor of Kentucky to administer drugs. He was also known to have a cure for skin cancer. He was given the cure by a foreign doctor, and he swore to secrecy that the formula would never be divulged or its ingredients. Since no one in the family held Penn's love for medicine, on July 4th, wouldn't you know, 1913, after a hot day of surveying, Martin Wilson Penn died from a heat stroke on the store porch. How Thus, tragic. the cancer secret went with, them, with him. But mm. the Penn store is still there in Kentucky, just the way it used to be, and... They say large spiked nails are still in the ceiling where rolls of bologna and salt-cured country ham were hung for customers who shopped at the country store. They now hold dried herbs from their herb garden. Hmm. The and community's the gone vegetarian. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice. That is. And the store still sells groceries, sandwiches, and dried goods as it always has. So that's Penn's store, the oldest country store. Wow. Still owned by the same family since 1850. 
And if you just tuned in, we're talking about the Country Store exhibit in the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. And Which isn't even a year old yet. Not even a year old, in fact. In fact, we're going to hear another sound from that and see what happens. Here we go. If you added up individual keys, push down halfway, and that'll lock in the amount. So there's your 30, and then you push it all the way to complete your sale. Old-fashioned cash register at the Lions Country Store at the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. I'm glad Carol figured out how to work that thing. Yes. Carol Knaus <laughs> of the Hands-On Museum took me on a tour of the place. And, uh, well, we're talking about old country stores and anything else that pretty much pops into our heads. Well, I should say that I am not really affiliated with the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum except by way of my marriage to Jason. That's right. She's married into the museum. (laughs) Married into the museum. (laughs) But some people may know of the pancake exhibit that I did at the Matrix Museum probably... A decade ago, oh, yes, I'm I'm just it. known as some crazy artist in town. I don't really have much worth other than that. <laughs> um, I do happen to teach a class up at the up at North Campus, though, at the art school. So um, I have some lucky guinea pigs who get to study digital art with me. But um, the pancake exhibit was um, probably hundreds hundreds of pancakes that I cooked and made to hang on the walls there, hung them up in a kind of grid-like formation in one room, and then there were piles of them in the other room, and um, video projections, some film projections, and it sounds... Everything I've sort of heard about it, people... It's a show that people more heard about than actually went to. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So well, I still hear about it. What kind of pancakes... Their pancakes, well, the recipe was flour, eggs, oil, and sugar, I think, and some baking powder, very important ingredient. And, you know, you just mix up the batter, and I had um, some hot plates and, you know, would fry up pans of pancakes and lay them out to dry. And I actually, I mean, I did a show here at the Matrix Gallery a while back, but before that I... I did the first pancake show in Taos, New Mexico at the Barbershop Gallery, which was a small adobe structure that um, I just cooked the pancakes and covered all the walls inside of. And um, Wow. Yeah, pancakes. Any really big pancakes, little pancakes? Were they pretty much all the same uh, sort of they size? They were the same size, probably about eight, six to eight inches in diameter, but I did cook a giant pancake one year for uh, a uh, Beltane festival that we had in St. Paul, Minnesota. It was a pyrotechnic event, and a mm. uh, lot of people built pyrotechnic sculptures. I made <laughs> I made a like a, a kind of a I guess a large frying surface. I dug out a hole and built up some bricks around it and put a big steel uh, sheet of steel on top and fried up a pancake that was probably four or five feet across. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's a big pancake. 
Yeah, apparently the Beltane Festival, I didn't know this at the time, but the traditional Beltane Festival does have a special cake that they make, special pancake they make, and it, whoever gets the little, you know, I don't know, pebble or pea or whatever that's inside of it gets something done to them or some hmm. prize or I don't know what. <laughs> Queen Beltane. Something. for the next year. Now, Something. Beltane is what? Just real quickly, what is that? It now? is, it's the equivalent of our May Day festival, pretty much. Oh, okay. Hmm. Fire holiday. Fire holiday? And it's a uh, fire holiday. A fire holiday, So it's okay. kind of fire plus May Day, welcoming the spring. Oh, okay. Hmm. And, uh, wow, a lot you can do with pancakes, in fact. There are a lot of things you can do. Have you ever worn pancakes? No, I can't no, say. Don't wear them as clothing? Well, that's an interesting idea, though. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have even said it. <laughs> Coming to a, 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 a catwalk near you. It's wearable pancakes. She's a, she's a And now the sounds of me failing miserably to play Smells Like Teen Spirit on PVC pipes at the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. Ladies and gentlemen. No, no, this is the intentional 12-tone version of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Really, it is. <laughs> Just ends. Doom, doom. Boom, defeated at the end there. Anyway, this has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike, and that's been a talk on the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum with Leslie and Jason and Carol. Thank you so much for coming back in time with me. As you can hear, we are going back in time. and Actually, we're, we're here just in time for 7 o'clock, and our wolves face the music. So we're going to take a moment now to float in space and babble incoherently, and then we will land, land at WCBN FM Ann Arbor, where Arwolf, in the year 2005 A.D., will help you 